Well, uh, several years ago, Tim Keller, one of my mentors uh, from afar, somebody that I admire, preached a sermon, it was several years ago now, on Christian change. And it was, a, it was a sermon that really affected me. It was a sermon that really helped me. And so this morning, I'm going to give my rendition of that sermon. And it's going to be a little different than his. This is my version of it, but so much of what he said, I'm going to try to relay to you in the best way that I can. And so you think about change. I think most all of us have parts of our lives that we want to change in some respect. But change is hard, isn't it? You know, think about it. Change can be very, very difficult, especially change that's deep and lasting and, and, and significant change. And there's this illustration of a, of a rubber ball. You know, you, you know, for example, you take a tin can and, and you squeeze the tin can, and that when you squeeze it, it's going to take a new shape. You're going to change it. And in, in order to get it back to where it originally was, you've got to sort of knock it out and, and sort of change it again. But a rubber ball, you take a rubber ball, rubber ball and you squeeze it, you know, you, you put pressure on it. But as soon as you, you take the restraint away, what's going to happen? The rubber ball is going to pop right back to where it was before. And for a lot of us, that's the way change is in our lives. You know, maybe you make this, this decision, I, I want to grow, I want to be different, I want to change, maybe in your finances. And so you make some initial adjustments. Maybe you take Financial Peace University. You start to, you know, give some money away. But then a few weeks, maybe a few months go by, and what happens? You're back to where you were before. Same old spending habits. Or maybe you think, you know, you've got some sort of addictive pattern in your life. You know, maybe it's too much alcohol, or maybe it's uh, pornography, or, or some other uh, addiction that you've got. And you say to yourself, I'm going to change. I'm going to be different. I want to develop a new pattern. So you change for a few weeks, maybe a few months, but then you let the restraint away, you know, you know, the, the, the will, you know, the self-control goes away and you're back to where you were before. Or maybe you think, you know, I want to be more uh, kind and, and less cruel and so you make some changes but then you pop back to where you were before. All of us have had that rubber ball experience, right, where you're sort, you make the initial change, as soon as the pressure's gone, you sort of go back to the way you were before. And so how does change happen? I mean, how does this work? And, and it's really important because a lot of times we can get really cynical about change, can't we? You know, you, 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 a while, you know, if you keep on doing this for year after year, you can get cynical about change. You start to think, people don't really change at all. You know, my, you know maybe you've, you look at your spouse and you've wanted them to change, and it's the same old thing week after week, year after year. And you start thinking, you know, people don't, this just doesn't happen. And you just have to learn to deal with the way you are. You know, this, this sort of transformation is not really a reality. And so what do we do about this? Is true change possible? And if so, how does it happen? Well, this morning, uh, we're, we're in this series that we've been going through, and we're talking about life in the Spirit. And what we've said is that the Christian life, it's important the way you talk about Christian life. Uh, Christianity is the Spirit of God living in you and through you. It's not Christ died for you and now you've got to live for him. You've got to slug it, off, slug it out on your own. It's rather Christ died for you and now by his Holy Spirit, he lives inside of you to change you and to transform you. And one of the things the Spirit of God does in our lives is he changes us. The Spirit of God has landed in your life. One of the things that he's here to do is to change you, to transform you. And today we're going to look at this little metaphor, the fruit of the Spirit, and this metaphor, fruit of the Spirit, it's all about Christian change. 
You know, joy, peace, self-control, love. These are all changes that God wants to make in your life through the Holy Spirit. And in this fruit of the Spirit metaphor, Paul deliberately draws on a botanical metaphor to talk about change. Why does he do that? He could have just talked about, you know, these are the traits of the Spirit, or these are the characteristics of the Spirit. Why fruit of the Spirit? Well, because fruit tells us something very, very important about the nature of Christian change. Okay, how does change happen? How does this thing work? Paul says you've got to see the metaphor. It's like fruit. It's botanical. This is the way he describes the nature of Christian change. And fruit of the Spirit tells us at least four things. There are four things, four things, not three, that are implied by this metaphor of fruit of the Spirit. Four things the fruit of the Spirit tells us about the nature of Christian change. Number one, change is gradual. It's inevitable. It's internal, and it's symmetrical. Four things. Gradual, inevitable, internal, symmetrical. Let's go. First of all, the fruit of the Spirit tells us that the change God brings in our life through the Spirit is gradual. So notice he says it's the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if, if you're a farmer, you know, if you're somebody that's out there planting things, or if you have a garden, if you've ever seen anything botanical grow, what do you know? You know that the botanical, botanical growth is gradual, isn't it? Botanical growth is slow. You can't really see it happen. You can measure it, but you cannot with the naked eye see growth happening. It's really, really slow. And I remember when I was dating my wife, Anita, uh, one of the things I did, I wanted to, to give her a gift to show my enduring love, my endless love, and so I planted her a peach tree. It was great. It was very romantic. It was right outside of her bedroom window. I planted that tree. And the thing is, uh, it was a horrible gift because, you know, I, I imagined her waking up on her birthday, and there's this little bud sprouting out, sprouting out of the ground, but she woke up on her birthday, nothing, nothing at all. There was nothing for at least two years. We didn't taste that fruit for two years. By that time, she was already gone, and we were married. <laughs> and then a couple years later, it died, which was kind of a bad sign, I guess, of our enduring love. But the fruit came slowly. You couldn't see it happening. It, it was so gradual. It was so slow that you couldn't see it with the naked eye. You could measure it from year to year, but you cannot see bo botanical growth like that. And spiritual growth is the same way. Spiritual change is the same way. It's as slow as a turnip growing. It's as slow as a, as a flower growing. It's, it's very, very gradual. And so what this means is that we've got to be very patient with this idea of change. We've got to learn how to wait for the change. You know, we, we, we as Americans, we don't like to wait, do we? We like sudden transformation. We like dramatic transformation. You know, you see the before and after photos, but this is not the way that the Spirit works. The way the Spirit brings growth in your life is very gradual. It's very slow, and, and it develops seasonally. In fact, there's a metaphor in the Old Testament, Psalm 1, and it compares the, the believer to a, a tree planted by the rivers of water. And its roots go down deep, and it draws on, on the stream to, to get life and vibrancy. And then it says, and then the, the tree bears fruit, what? In due season. And so the, the growth, the change that the Spirit brings, it's seasonal, isn't it? You know, it's slow, and it's, you know, there are times when, it's, when it is dramatic. There are times when you do see fruit coming and self-control, and you see yourself changing. But most of the time, it, it's slow. You know, it's like a tree in the winter. You don't see anything. 
and there's pruning that happens, and it's dead for a long, looks dead for a long time, but it's still growing even though you can't see it. And this is why, you know, we have stories here, uh, sometimes story videos, testimonies of people talking about how they had some condition in their life. You know, there was some condition that they were dealing with, some sin that they were struggling with, and we tell a testimony and a story about how the grace of God came in and changed them. And I'm always very careful about these stories because sometimes it seems so dramatic. You know, I was addicted and God healed me or I was on, you know, depression medication and God gave me joy and I threw that bottle in the trash can. You know, and you hear about this dramatic change, but for every one person that experiences change like that, there are 10 people where the change is happening gradually. And this is normal. This is normative. You know, Paul deliberately draws in this botanical metaphor to say that the fruit is going to come, but just like a tree and just like a turnip and just like strawberries or whatever, it happens gradually and it's seasonal and sometimes it's dramatic, but other times it's, it's mysterious and it's almost invisible and it can happen very slowly. And sometimes you've got to measure it. And you've got to measure it, and sometimes it's not until difficulty comes. You know, you're, you're, you're going, you're, you know, you're sitting here and you're, you're thinking to yourself, I don't feel like I've grown in self-control. I don't feel like I've grown in maturity. But you go through a difficulty in your life. And so often it's in, during the difficulty that that's where you experience the growth in your life. You see the change. You can measure it because, you know, something comes in and you, let's say you respond a certain way and you say, you know, five years ago I would have never been so patient in this situation. Or five years ago, I never would have had such self-control. I would have gotten angry. I would have blown up. And it's in those times of, of uh, struggle and difficulty that so often we can see the change. But most of the time, you've got to be patient. This is challenging for some of us who are very impatient. We want to see it right away. But it's also encouraging. You know, if you're here and, and let's say you don't see that dramatic change, it's encouraging. It will come. It's like a tree. And sometimes you can't see it, but trust me, it is going to happen. So the first thing Paul says here is that this growth is, is it's, it's gradual, it's slow, it's botanical. And some change is easier than others, you know. You can, you know, there are some things you can change immediately, right? You can change the, you know, saying curse words or something. I'm just going to get that out of my vocabulary. I'm going to start eating differently. You know, there's some changes that you could make right away, but this deeper change that the Spirit brings, like self-control and joy in the middle of struggle or, uh, you know, uh, peace, you know, in the, in the midst of circumstances, these are the things that take a lifetime to develop. These are the things that take, the, the, they're, so, they're so deep and they're so uh, significant that sometimes it takes a longer time for them to really grow. And so first, uh, what this metaphor tells us is that change happens gradually. But, but on the other hand, on the other hand, it also tells us that cha the change that the Spirit brings happens inevitably. It's gradual, but it's also inevitable. So in other words, if the Spirit of God is in you, if the life of God is in you, you will see change. It may be gradual, but it will inevitably happen because it's the fruit of the Spirit. You know, and what is the seed that's inside of you? What is the life? What is the seed that's growing inside of you? Well, it's the, it's the Spirit of God. It's the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's God himself living in your soul. And if God is there by his Holy Spirit, if Christ is living in you, the change will happen. It is going to be inevitable. 
because there's incredible power in you to change. There's this illustration by uh, G. Campbell Morgan. And G. Campbell Morgan was a minister. He was traveling one time in Italy. And he was walking through a graveyard there, there in Italy. And as he was going through, he saw this big marble slab. And uh, under the slab, you know, 100 years earlier, a, a little acorn had fallen. You know, and then the slab kind of fell on top of it. And over 100 years, that little acorn had sprouted. And eventually, it sprouted to the point where it broke the marble slab. And then the middle of the marble slab, there's this big tree that had grown up. Now you think about that sort of power. I mean, you compare which one is more powerful, an acorn or a, you know, a thousand pound marble slab. Which one is stronger? You know, you put a marble slab and an acorn together, which one's going to win? Well, it's obvious. The acorn's going to win every single time. Why? Because there's incredible power in, in organic uh, life. There's incredible power in that seed. And if a seed is that powerful, how much more powerful is the Spirit of God in you? The seed, God's life, has been implanted in your soul. And what that means is that there, no matter what sort of crusty marble slab is in your life, no matter what the dif- dysfunctions are from growing up and having your, being in your family of origin, that life is able to break through and it will break through. And you will experience growth and change in your life. And so because of this, the fruits of the Spirit are actually a really good test to to tell if you're truly a Christian. The fruits of the Spirit are sort of like taking your your spiritual pulse. You know, all life has signs. You know, a little baby, all all life has has signs of life. You know, a baby cries and it sucks and, and it eats. And there are signs of spiritual life. There are things that will inevitably come out of you if you truly have the Spirit of God in you. And so the fruits of the Spirit are like taking your pulse. Do you see yourself changing? You know, some of us have been Christians for a long time, and we professed faith for a very long time, and yet you, you, you haven't really seen hardly any change in your life. You know, you're, you, you're still angry, and you're still bitter. You know, you're still addicted, and there's no desire to change. And maybe you come to church, you believe the doctrines, and you say you're a Christian, but are there really fruits coming out of your life? And you've got to ask yourself, do I see evidence? Is there, a, is there a pulse? Is there a spiritual pulse? Are there signs of like, in fact, don't ask yourself. Ask your spouse. Ask one of your friends, somebody in your life, and say, hey, do you see, the light? Do you see evidence of the Spirit of God in me? Do you see the fruits of the Spirit? You know, so many of us, all of us in some, to some extent are, are not self-aware, but you ask somebody else in your life, do you see these fruits coming out of me? Because the truest test of whether you're a Christian or not is not so much the doctrinal statement, we read the Apostles' Creed today, but the truest test if there's, if there's life in you is, are there fruits coming from the life? The other week, Anita bought a, uh, she went to Hobby Lobby and she bought this fake plant. And some of you maybe have bought this similar. It's like in this little orb, you know, this little uh, uh, octagon orb. And inside, you, there's this little ice plant you could put in there. It's totally, it's fake. It's rubber. But you can put dirt in there, you know, and you put it, it looks great. You can put it on the mantle. And uh, the thing is, that thing's not going to change at all. It's not going to change. It's not going to grow. Why? There's no life in there. And it looks pretty. And... Uh, you may, maybe some of you will go to Hobby Lobby after the service and get it. It really is cool, but there's no life in there. And it's not going to grow. 
And for some of us, that's our Christian faith. We have the doctrine and maybe we believe it, but there's never been any change. There's never been any growth. And you've got to ask the question, am I truly, do I have the Spirit of God in me? Is there life in there? Because change will be what? It'll be inevitable. Now, don't be too harsh on yourself. You've got to keep these two things together. Remember, it's gradual, but it's also inevitable. It's inevitable, but it's also gradual. That, the acorn may be a long time under that slab, but it will eventually grow. Don't beat yourself up. Some of you are very sensitive and you're always kind of thinking, maybe I'm not a Christian. Maybe there's not enough fruit. I mean, some of you, that's, that's the way I'm like. But you do have to take your spiritual pulse because that fruit will come out. There will be growth. There will be. And sometimes ask your spouse or maybe even see the way the kids look at you. Do they see the fruit of the Spirit in your life? You're not just you know, imparting the doctrines, you're also imparting the life. This is what it looks like to be a Christian. The fruit of the Spirit is gradual. The fruit of the Spirit is inevitable, but let's keep on going. The fruit of the Spirit is also internal. It's also internal because it says the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what is the fruit of the Spirit? What are the fruits of the Spirit? Is the fruit of the Spirit leading is it counseling? Is it managing? Is it editing? Is it, editing? Is it dancing? Is the fruit of the Spirit uh, charisma? Is the fruit of the Spirit, you know, IQ or your Myers-Briggs? No. The fruit of the Spirit, it's your character. It's not so much what you do to serve God, but it's who you are. And so when you're looking at your life and you're wondering, is the Spirit in there? You've got to not just look at the way you've served or your spiritual resume, but look at who you are. What's going on internally in your life? What are there, is there vibrant character develop, developing? Because here's the thing. It's very possible to add service and activities in your life. It's very possible to be religious and to do lots of uh, Christian things, and yet there's no real fruit of the Spirit vibrant life coming out. Again, there's a story of uh, John Wesley, and I told you his story at the beginning of the series, but John Wesley was a Christian minister. I mean, it was his job to preach and to lead and to counsel and do all this stuff. And if you looked at John Wesley's spiritual resume, I mean, it was packed full. He gave to the poor, and he was leading people to Christ, and he was serving and doing all sorts of spiritual things. But there was one day where he, you know, he traveled to the U.S. and he was sitting in a Bible study and he heard the, the book of Galatians taught and he realized, I'm not a Christian. There's no internal life in me. And I've got all these external things, but there's no vital signs. And he, he ran to Jesus and he was born again and he got the Spirit of God. But it's very possible to do lots of Christian things. But the fruit of the Spirit is not serving or giving or counseling or dancing or singing or your Myers-Briggs or your charisma. The fruit of the Spirit, it's internal character. It's vibrancy. It's who you are, not just what you do. And this is why the, the 1 Corinthians uh, 13, it's the love chapter. Uh, some of you, you know, it's this passage that's read at weddings, and, it's, uh, and it is a beautiful passage. It's all about love, but it's also frightening. <laughs> because in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, look, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and if I give my body to be burned, and I give all this money away from the, to the poor, and if I preach and I counsel and I, 
and I lead others to Christ, but I don't have this, this love and this joy and this peace, if I don't have the fruit in my life, then I'm, then I'm probably not a Christian. And so you've got to know what to look for in your life. Are you changing? Are you becoming a different person? Because the fruit of the Spirit is not just mechanical growth. You know, you can, you can take, you know, it's not external and mechanical. You can pile up bricks on the ground, and the, it's growing. It's a, the pile is getting bigger. But it's not like a bulb. It's not like a flower that's growing in complexity and growing in vibrancy. This is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not so much what you tack onto your life. It's what's coming out of your life from the inside. And Paul says, if you've got the Spirit of God, this is the thing that's going to come out. This is the thing that's going to begin to show in your life. These fruits of the Spirit, these things on the inside, and you can't really manufacture that stuff. You know, the, the Pharisees, they, they did lots of things. They washed their hands and they, they, they attended, you know, services in the temple and they did things externally. But Jesus came one day and he said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, it's what comes out. And he says, I've come to bring an internal change, fruit and character, byproducts of, of a relationship with me, these things that come out and affect your marriage and your parenting and all your relationships. And it's very possible to have a lot of religious activity, to be, be very active in the church, but that's not what you look for. Don't look for that. Look for who you are. Are you growing in joy and peace and self-control? Are you growing in, in, you know, love and kindness and patience? These are real signs of vibrancy. These are real signs that God is in your life by his Holy Spirit. This is how God changes you. So the fruit of the Spirit, it's gradual, remember? And then it's, what, what is it? It's inevitable. It's gonna happen. If the life of God is in you, it's gonna come out. The, thirdly, the, it, it, it is also internal. It's not so much activities, but things coming out that show if the Spirit of God is there. But then finally, I want you to see that it's symmetrical. Now, what do I mean by symmetrical? Well, I want you to see in this passage, Paul says this. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, self-control, etc. And if you're an English teacher in here, you're saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, Paul, the, the subject is singular, the predicate is plural. You know, what, what do, you, do you want to correct Paul? But don't correct Paul. Paul did this on purpose. Because he says the fruit of the Spirit is all of these things. And what he's trying to show is that the fruits of the Spirit are a whole. The fruits of the Spirit come together. The fruits of the Spirit grow together. The fruits of the Spirit are not things that you add to your life one by one, but they are things that grow up symmetrically in your life. You cannot have one without the other. Each is, as it were, kept in place by the others. And they are all tied together by love. Notice uh, Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, and all of them come underneath that one heading. And it's like in Colossians 3.12 where Paul says this, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So we have to see that the fruits of the Spirit, the, the change that God brings in our life is symmetrical. And, and this is really important because some of us, you know, we, we, we're, we have some of these traits but not others. You know, some of you are very, very humble. You know, you're very self-effacing and you're, you're very, very humble, but you're also a coward. You also can't, you can't stand up to people. You let people walk all over you. 
and others of you, you know, you're, you're very self-controlled and you've got all your life under control, but you're cruel and critical and self-righteous about other people. And others of you, you know, you're, you're very joyful, you're, you're, you've got all this joy in your life, but you're proud. And you don't care about other people. And so, you know, there's, there's, a, there's sort of a naturalness where we could sort of be these ways. It's almost part of our Myers-Briggs. You know, my Myers-Briggs has certain character tra- traits that just come out of my natural, you know, they come out of my upbringing and my, and my personality. But the fruit of the Spirit is supernatural. And what that means is that even someone, if you're here and let's say you're, you're quiet and you're humble, you could also be courageous, or let's say you, you tend to be bold but arrogant, you can still get this really good mix of boldness and humility because the fruits of the Spirit, they come together, they're symmetrical. Now, a lot of commentators notice that, uh, I mean, they're literally symmetrical. There are three groups of three here. And, what com- and it's not an exhaustive list, but every trait in this little list is a trait in the New Testament that's also used to describe God. God demonstrates all of these fruits of the Spirit perfectly. And in other words, what what they're saying, what the fruits of the Spirit Spirit tell us is that what God's doing in your life is he's forming Christ in you. God himself, God's perfect character is what God's Spirit is forming you into. And it's symmetrical and beautiful. And so you look at the life of Jesus. Jesus was a perfect demonstration of all of these things together. Jesus was bold. He could speak truth to power. But in the very next day, he could wash people's feet. And he was self-controlled. I mean, he had every, all of his emotions were just perfectly ordered, and yet he was approachable. And, and even the, the lowliest sinner could come into his presence and feel completely at rest. And Jesus was joyful, and yet he experienced suffering. And so Jesus was a perfect demonstration of this symmetrical, beautiful character. And get this, what Paul is saying here is that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus lives in you, forming this perfect character inside. Do you believe this? God by His Spirit is forming Jesus in you. And this means that all of us, no matter our upbringing or no matter our personality, could be formed into a thing of beauty. God made you the way you are for a reason. And sin has broken who you are, and yet the Spirit comes in and is going to mold you and shape you into the person you were always meant to be. In the image of God, looking just like Jesus Christ. These things are symmetrical. This is what God is doing in your life. So, change. How does it happen? What is the nature of Christian change? Number one, it's gradual. But on the other hand, it's inevitable. It's internal, and it's symmetrical. Well, let's apply it. Let's spend just a few minutes applying uh, what we've just learned here. What does this mean? When we look at the fruit of the Spirit and how, I mean, what are we supposed to do with this? I remember I preached a sermon one time, and a guy came up to me, and he said, Brent, what is the takeaway from that? He said, it was all very interesting, but what do I do tomorrow? Is it that, you know, the Spirit of God comes in, and we just change automatically? I had one pastor who said, he said, he said, fruit, you know, just comes out of your life without you doing anything. And he says, you go into an orchard and you don't hear those fruit trees grunting, fruit! And so he says, you just let that fruit come and it's gonna come. 
Is that how it happens? Is that what we do? What do we do with all this, this idea of the fruit of the Spirit? Well, think of yourself now as a farmer or a gardener. When a farmer plants that seed and the life of, of, of that acorn is in the ground, the work is not over. In fact, the work has just begun, right? What does the farmer need to do now? He needs to begin to cultivate this garden. He needs to cultivate the life that's in the ground. And if you don't do anything, the, the garden's gonna die. And I know exactly what that's like because I had a garden that died. That's why we got the fake plant. <laughs> you don't do anything. That, it's, you're, you gotta cultivate. You gotta work. This is how N.T. Wright puts it. He says, get the fruit of the, to get the fruit of the Spirit, you have to be a gardener. You have to discover how to tend and prune, how to irrigate the field, how to keep the birds and squirrels away. You have to watch for blight and mold, cut away ivy and other parasites that suck the life out of the tree, and make sure the young trunk can stand firm in strong winds. Only then will the fruit appear. So you want fruit to appear in your life. Listen, you don't have to manufacture it out of nothing. You don't create ex nihilo. But what do you need to do? The life is already there. If you're a Christian, the Spirit of God lives in you. Now you've got to be a gardener and tend that life. You know, put yourself in a place where you're hearing the Word of God. You're being watered by the Scripture. You know, get yourself around people who can sort of help you see where you don't have fruit, where you do have fruit. Allow people to speak into your life. You know, memorize scripture, pray, you know, do all these things. What are you doing? You're cultivating the life of God in you. If you don't do anything, if you don't cultivate, weeds are going to grow up. And so this, this takes enormous amounts of time and energy and pulling weeds. Our job is to cultivate the life that's already in us. Are you cultivating? And you've got to be patient. Listen, this takes a long time. And there's a lot of, you know, there may be a real thick marble slab on your life. And you may be a long time under that slab. But don't give up. There is life in there. You keep on cultivating. And maybe it's a season of winter where there's pruning. You don't see anything, but you keep on cultivating. That life is going to grow. If you truly have the Spirit of God, don't give up because as you cultivate, the, the season of growth will come in your life. If you're not a Christian, maybe you've been sitting here and you're saying, well, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian and uh, how does that work? How do I grow? Well, in order to grow, you need to get that life in you. If you're not a Christian, you need the life of God. If you're not a believer, if you've just been coming to church and you're, you haven't really figured it out, here, here's what, what Christianity is. It's the life of God and the soul of a human being. And in order to experience any growth at all, you've got to invite God into your heart, into your life so that his spirit can begin to make you grow. So do you have the life of God? And then finally, I was sort of thinking about this, this corporately as our church body. I mean, what is this body all about? What is Fellowship Bible Church all about? I mean, are we about simply doing programs and, and lot, lots of activity? No, ultimately, we're, we're a garden. We are God's great vineyard. And the real work of Christian growth is to cultivate the, these fruits, this life. It's not so much just to get busy doing lots of activity. It's to cultivate the fruit so that it affects your marriage, so that these character traits can just come out and affect the way you parent. 
and ultimately that, that we as a community could go out and we could bear fruit that impacts people all around us outside of the four walls of the church. And imagine if we were growing. Imagine if we were cultivating that life and what it might look like for this life to come out and to grow and to change everything around you. Paul says this is Christian change. It's gradual, it's inevitable, it's internal, it's symmetrical. And God wants us to cultivate that life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this passage that tells us so much about what real, deep, lasting change looks like. And, and Lord, there are so many people in this room who, who may be frustrated at the lack of growth that they see. Uh, God, I pray that you would encourage them, that you would let them know that, Lord, the Spirit of God, the Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that brought such vibrancy to his life, is now living in them. And Lord, those of us who maybe have grown discouraged, and maybe have stopped trying to do anything, we're busy with work, or we're busy with, you know, making money or whatever, God, we pray that you'd help us to begin to cultivate those things in our lives that really matter. Lord, these fruits can truly just change everything, all of our relationships. And so we pray, God, that you, by your spirit, even this morning, God, that you would remind us, that you would inspire us, Lord, to cultivate. Lord, and to foster the, the, the life that you've already put in us. And we pray that you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen.